Welcome to Mimosa Mystery Mondays with Tony. Grab a drink. Let's get weird. Welcome to the first episode of Mimosa Mystery Mondays. Woo! That's me doing the poetry snap, you know, when they're like... <laughs> or, oh, they also like tap their little fingers together. I went to a poetry reading once. It's very quiet. Anyways... How fun was that intro song, right? (laughs) It makes me so happy. I don't know why. Anyways, I love talking about spooky things. Ghosts, UFOs, legends, shadow people, black-eyed children, conspiracies, murder mysteries, missing people, all of it. Things that go bump in the night just fucking butter my bread in the best way, which makes no sense because I am the biggest scaredy cat you will ever meet. So the reason I wanted to do this little offshoot series of Prosecco and Ponies is because a lot of people still feel like mysteries and things that go bump in the night kind of have a weird stigma. And if you've listened to any of my podcast episodes, you will know that weird is my thing. Like if you believe in something strange or if you have experienced something strange, people are so ready to dismiss it immediately. Like, no, you're crazy. You made that up. It was just your imagination. Or all of a sudden they become a fucking scientist. Like, um, actually that was a weather balloon trapped in the sink drain and beans make scream sounds when they dry out. Like, okay. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. That makes way more sense than the off chance that spirits could be real. Thank you very much. You shitty Neil deGrasse Tyson wannabe. Anyways, personally, I think that many people are so afraid to be thought of as different or weird, and that discomfort really holds them back from speaking up on experiences that they've had, or even admitting that there are things that simply cannot be explained. So let me explain why I feel this way. The literal definition of paranormal from Google is denoting events or phenomena such as telekinesis or clairvoyance that are beyond the scope of normal scientific understanding. On merriamwebster.com, the definition of paranormal is not scientifically explainable. So basically, that says to me, if we don't understand it, it's not normal. And most people have an extremely adverse feeling to being thought of as not normal, which I think is so silly. Normal definitely has its place, don't get me wrong, but goddamn, is that a boring way to spend your life, right? Anyways, without further ado, let's get weird, shall we? Wait, I'm going to try that in a posh accent. Without further ado, let's get... (laughs) That's terrible. What accent was that? Without further ado, let's get weird, shall we? Okay, you're right. That was terrible. I should never do that again. I'm, I apologize. I am so sorry that I'll just never do those accents again. I don't even know why I tried. Anyways, so Mimosa Mystery Mondays is dedicated to everyone who has seen, felt, or believed something that most people call us crazy for. So this is for the dreamers, the truth seekers, and the ones that just want to be heard and not scoffed at, and the ones that love mysteries, God, who doesn't love a good mystery? Anyways, for as long as I can remember, strange things have happened to me that I can't explain. So in this inaugural episode of Prosecco and Ponies Mystery, no, Mimosa Mystery Mondays, I forgot the name of my own, what I made, but the own thing that I made up, whatever. 
So in this episode, I have four stories that are sort of my earliest memories of strangeness. So maybe I can put some music in here and make it like all spooky. Anyways, my first story is the white lady. So while I was trying to get some information for some upcoming podcast episodes that I wanted to do, I got my mom to ask my papa, who's 86, if he remembered anything strange from the farm. And his words to her were, there was always something strange when Doll Babe was home. And that's his nickname for all of his granddaughters. He calls every granddaughter. He's got like, what is there? Four of us? Me, Jillian, Sarah, Kenzie, four of us. And then like, you know, the married in ones too, like Alyssa. Yeah. So he's got, he's got four granddaughters. So he calls all of us Doll Babe. <laughs> Anyways, uh, but in this particular scenario he was referring to me. So he told my mom that he remembers coming back from a trip to check the cows, as was the nightly custom, and he was holding my hand and walking back to the house, and I asked him, Papa, why does the lady in the white dress keep watching us? So he said, what lady are you talking about? And so I stopped him and I turned around and I pointed at the fence that we had just walked through moments earlier, and sure as fuck, there was a lady standing there in a white dress and just looking at us. And he saw her too. And so he told my mom that all of his hair just totally stood up on his body. And he said, I'm not sure, Dolly. And then we hurried back to the house. And he also told her that it took him quite a while before he felt comfortable going that way on his own. Now, even though I was only about five, I remember her very vividly. I only saw her a few times and never ever from up close, always kind of from a distance. Like if I was by the trailer, she would be by the fence about, I don't know, maybe 300 feet away. But her dress looked white, like that really pretty old fashioned cotton that was like kind of a lacy pattern. And her hair was light brown, but it was always up in a bun at the top of her head with pieces kind of falling, like little loose pieces falling down. And she never said anything, and I never saw her moving. She was always standing still. So I don't know who she was. Um, I'm still trying to find out some more information from that area, but uh, I remember her, like in my mind's eye, if I look back, I remember her dress, like it went down to her ankles and she had little boots on. And yeah, it was very like that sort of Victorian slash Anne of Green Gables kind of look to her. So but he saw her too, which is the best part. So my second story is about tornadoes and dreams. Picture this. It's a hot summer day in July. This is July 1994. And I don't want to tell you how old I was because then it would be harder for me to lie about my age. So let's just say I was old enough to drive the three-wheeler trike around and feeding the chickens at night was part of my summer chore routine. I fucking hated those chickens because their beaks would reach, they just reach the bare skin showing above my rubber boots and they would always be pecking at me even though I was trying to fucking do something nice for them. Anyways, the day started out like a very normal summer day, playing with the dogs, helping in the garden, cartwheels on the lawn, making the baby calves be my audience while I practiced my best opera singing voice because I was certain that one day I would play the role of Christine in Phantom of the Opera, so I made all of the animals be my audience. Anyways, around lunchtime, I remember sitting on the step on the deck outside, 
eating a pickle and wondering why all of a sudden every single animal had stopped making noise. No birds, no sounds from the chickens, no moos, no crickets. And if you've ever been on a farm that's kind of like in the middle of nowhere, like there's noise, there's always background noise, crickets and frogs and birds, cows and everything. There's always noise. And I realized sitting there, there was nothing. It was totally silent. So as soon as I realized how quiet it was, I also realized that I hadn't seen the dogs in a while. So I called Dino, who was my buddy, and he always came when I called him, and nothing. So I called him again, listened, nothing. So I thought that was weird because he just always ran when I called him. So I got off the deck. I crouched down to look under the trailer, under the porch, which was like his favorite spot to go. It's like, I guess, his dog house, I suppose. And I saw his big, handsome brown eyes looking at me. And so I tried to coax him out with the rest of my pickle and he would absolutely not budge. He just looked at me and he laid his head back down. That was really odd for him. So at that second, I got a really weird knot in my stomach, like just that, just a feeling. And so I ran inside, I found Nana and I immediately asked her like, can we get tornadoes here? And I had no reason to ask her that, none. I'd never seen a tornado. I'd never heard anybody talk about it. Like obviously I fucking saw Wizard of Oz, but I had never seen so much even as a funnel cloud. But for some reason, my little brain told me something was up and it must be a tornado. So Nana reassured me over and over and over again, there was never tornadoes out there. There's no tornadoes. We don't get tornadoes. I must have asked her 30 times. I was so adamant that there was a tornado. And eventually she just gave me shit and (laughs) made me go outside because I was driving her bananas. So I sat on the deck and read under a perfectly sunny summer sky. And a few hours later, all my family started or a bunch of family started to show up like my Auntie Shelly and her now ex-husband, my papa came home from whatever he had been doing. So after supper, everyone's outside because back in the 90s, pretty much everyone smoked. Um, Like in my family, like everybody smoked, so they'd go outside on the deck. And the clouds were getting like darker and darker and darker. And again, there was still no sound, like no birds chirping, no, the cows weren't making noise, the dogs were still under the porch. Like, It was so quiet and I kept asking and I remember really vividly asking again and again, like, are you sure there's no tornadoes? And everybody's like, no, no, we never get those here. Well, guess the fuck what? On a hot and sunny, super quiet day of July 10th, 1994 at 7.05 p.m., we watched from our deck So the deck on the front of the trailer, we watched as a fucking F4 tornado hit a farm a few miles away. It must have been about eight miles. I actually know the exact date and time because I was able to find an article online from a website called highwaysandhailstones.com. It's not, this is like, not like, oh, they're sponsoring me. They're not. I just like, I found this information and I don't want to get in trouble for not like quoting where I got it from. So you can look it up if you want. Highways and Hailstones, July 10th, 1994, 7.05 p.m. After all that time of everybody saying, we don't get tornadoes. Oh, yes, the fuck we do. So we could hear the tornado from the deck and we all stood and watched all of this stuff flying into the darkness and just whipping around. And I remember seeing a big 
blur of red, which turned out to be the entire fucking roof of a house. So the next day, we drove by as farm folk do for everything, you know, fucking old farmers, they always got to go check out the fields and check out everything that's happened. So we drove past the farm the next day. And I remember that it looked like a giant fucking hand had just picked up a red roof and set the roof on top of the trees. So I'm just going to read you the article that I found. I don't know if that's allowed, but I'm going to do it anyway, because that's what I do sometimes. So this again is from, so I don't get in trouble. It's from highwaysandhailstones.com. And it says, ahem, wait, no, I'm going to have a sip of my mimosa. I'm having a mimosa, so you should have one with me. Or you know what? If you can't drink, like have a glass of water, you know, get healthy. Anyways, it says, The Bertle Manitoba tornado was a major tornado. Two farms took a direct hit. The first farm, the roof was torn off, lifted, and the furniture was sucked out of the house. Everything on the farm was destroyed. Luckily, nobody was home at the time. The preliminary rating of F2 was then given. As the tornado tracked eastward, a second farm was completely destroyed. The entire house was lifted off its foundation and landed on its roof 250 feet away. A large barn was hit with its contents not to be seen within a quarter mile radius. All farm equipment and vehicles were tossed 300 meters from their original location. All trees gone. A couple and their children hid in the basement behind a sofa. Mother and baby suffered a few scratches. At this point, the tornado was given the rating of F4. The tornado continued east-northeast, lifting and touching down several times, according to eyewitnesses. The tornado lasted roughly 40 minutes. Okay, so I remember a few weeks, for a few weeks after, I saw pieces of insulation, wallpaper, wood, um, little pieces of pottery, plates, uh, and a fork in my grandpa's field. And we were like a few miles away. So we could hear it. Like it was so, well, it just sounded like a train whistle that never ended. It was so crazy. Anyways, this isn't really a mystery, but why on earth was I so convinced for an entire day that a tornado was coming? I'd never seen a tornado I'd never seen a funnel cloud. Nobody had ever really talked about tornadoes. I had no reason for thinking any of that. So that was really weird. The second part of the story happened about a month later. So it was the same summer. I was at my grandparents. I still hadn't gone back home or anything yet. I was with them. And I was in the garden. Um, and I was with my Nana's friend. And her name was Granny Annie. That's what I called her. And we were picking beans for supper and just chit-chatting as like young ladies and old ladies do. I'm sure I was just talking and she was probably just listening and ready to go home. <laughs> but she was a really nice lady that lived a few farms away and her and my Nana were really good friends. So anyways, I was telling her that after the tornado happened, I had a dream that a tornado tore up an old shed that was on a field road just down from my grandparents' place. So if you if you turned off the highway, if you turned right off the highway and drove down towards my grandparents' house, just on the side that my grandparents' farm was on, there was a farm, another farm field. I don't know whose it was, but I in my dream, that's where I saw a shed and that's where I saw a tornado like wrecking a shed. And so I told Granny Annie all of this and when I told her, she said she had a really kind of peculiar look on her face. And she said, you should ask your papa about that, because I think the place that you're talking about 
had a shed that got wrecked in a storm. And I thought, oh, that's really neat. So that night I asked my papa while we were sitting at the table and I told him about the tree, the dream. I told him everything that I had said to Granny Annie. And I remember him lifting up his hat. Uh, he had this, he always had like an old OV hat on. So he like kind of lifted the brim up. And he said, doll babe, I don't know how you know that. There was an old tool shed there that got taken down by a tornado. So that was weird. And he said it was when he was a young lad. I've tried to do a little bit of research to find out more about more tornadoes in that area. And I was able to find something on, I think, Wikipedia that went back to 1922. But it's very like that area is not that populated. And so he said it was when he was a young lad. And I think he was born around 1934, 36, like somewhere around there. So it probably would have been in the 40s that because he says young lad. So I'm assuming it would be around the 40s. And, you know, if there was nobody out there to see it happen, maybe it didn't get reported. I don't know. But he knew about it. I wasn't able to find any information about it. And I definitely did look. So I don't know. Uh, so that's strange. Like, I, I don't think he had a reason to lie about the fact that there was a tool shed there that got taken down by a tornado. So I don't know. It's very, very weird. Anyways, on the topic of dreams, I have another story, just one more about dreams. I don't have a lot of dreams now, but I remember like I had lots of really vivid dreams when I was little. So in grade three, I had a dream that I was a ghost and I was floating around and I was looking down at a little boy who was in a long box and he had his eyes closed. The little boy was wearing navy blue and white, almost sort of like what you picture like a little sailor would wear. And he was laying in his long box, which I realize now was a coffin. And he had flowers around him and sort of dirty blonde hair. And he was just laying there. He wouldn't open his eyes. And in my dream, I remember floating above him for a long time and feeling really sad. And when I woke up, I still felt really sad. So I went to school and I remember being sad that whole day. So when I got home from school, I told my mom about the dream and I told her about the little boy in white and blue. And her response was not, not what I expected at all. And it's funny because I don't remember her looking surprised. I'll have to ask her about that. I, I guess maybe I've always been kind of a weird kid, but she never looked surprised. And I just remember her looking sad and serious. And so she sat down at the table with me and she told me that when she was little, she had a brother named Calvin who died. And she told me that he had dirty blonde hair and that the outfit I had described to her was what he was buried in. Now. You might think, well, you obviously heard an adult talk about that. But the thing is, there's not, this isn't the kind of thing that my family just talks about. They're pretty reserved about a lot of things. I'm definitely the most, the loudest one out of the bunch, for sure. And it's just not what they, they just don't talk about that stuff. And so I remember that I was very surprised and I felt very sad um, and yeah, anyway, so Calvin died when he was a little baby and it was something that to this day is not brought up. So least of all the outfit that he was buried in. Oh my God. Like, can you imagine just sitting around having a table discussion? Like, well, I buried my child and nah, nah, nah. anyways, I remember 
not long before my Nana passed away, um, her and I were having a whiskey ginger and we were sitting at the table. She was out for a visit and we were talking about spooky things and I was just grilling her and asking her all sorts of things about when she was growing up and creepy things that have happened to her and me and all of that. So um, I was asking her all these questions and I said, what's the scariest thing that you've ever seen? And she said, watching my baby boy die. And that fucking crushed me. I felt like instantly guilty for even asking her that because again, like it's something that we just don't, we don't really talk about it. And so Her and I had a really good cry at the table and it struck me that even 60 years later, she was still so haunted by this and uh, uh, rightfully so. Like I'm sure any mom, any mom of any kind would feel that way. And so I definitely don't think that I had just randomly heard someone talking about Calvin being buried in this outfit. Like I had no idea. Anyway, so that that's weird. The last story that I have for you is weird. It's weird. I know it's weird. You're going to think it's weird. And it's so easy for people to dismiss it, but I know my truth. So whatever. Believe it or don't. I don't I don't care at this point. All the shit that I've said so far, like I I just don't even care anymore. Like I said I was going to speak my truth, so here I am. But this is the second scariest thing that's ever happened to me. And I don't even know what happened, which I guess is the scariest part. Um, The scariest thing that's ever happened to me actually happened in a graveyard, but I'm already really uncomfortable telling any of these stories and I'm just not ready for that one. So I'm going to leave that for another episode. So again, I was at the farm. This is obviously a trend for me because I spent a lot of my childhood at the farm. So I was at the farm and it was a very sunny day and I was riding the trike back and forth from the trailer. So I would go through from the trailer through the main cattle pasture that was behind the trailer and then all the way back to the field. And at the back of the field, there was another another um, field that was fenced off and that was where my grandpa had that was like the start of his crops. So whatever he was growing that year, that's where it would start. I would say that from gate to gate it was about a five minute drive on the trike each way Um, maybe it was a little bit shorter but it felt like five minutes as a kid obviously my sidekick Dino was with me so we'd zip to the fence at the back of the pasture and at the back by the crop fence there was a big swampy slough so I'd shut the trike off I'd get down and I'd throw rocks and sticks into the slough for Dino because he fetched everything and we'd play there for a bit and then we'd do another lap back to the trailer, check in with Nana and repeat. So on a nice day, him and I would do that for hours. And when he got tired, there was a back end on the trike that he would fit perfectly on because I was a kid. So obviously like I wouldn't take up that much room on the trike. He'd hop up and we'd do more laps and then he could take a break. So on this particular day, him and I were just getting started. So We made our trip from the trailer to the slough. We played for a while and ate a sandwich that Nana had made me on my way out. And once he was completely soaked in slough water, I knew it was time to go back and then he could dry, you know, he could run through the field dry off and we could do another round. So I got on the trike and Dino was running beside me and I never went really fast on the trike because I wanted to make sure that he could keep up and I liked to see him beside me because it felt like we were like running together. So 
halfway back to the trailer, my eyes just felt like the sun had gotten super bright. And I lifted my eyes up a little because I was looking right in front of me and I lifted them up a little. And it looked like there was a bright light moving towards me. It was in the sky and it looked like a really small star, but it was for sure moving. Like without a doubt in my mind, this little light in the sky was moving and it seemed like it was moving towards me. So let me set this for you, this scene. This is the early 90s on a farm in the middle of fucking nowhere. The closest neighbor is miles away and this is not a part of Manitoba that anybody would really be flying over to my knowledge and I never remember seeing planes fly there unless it was like a field plane like those ones that spray the field. It's a bright summer sunny day and a bright light in the sky that is not the sun is moving towards me. So I let go of the gas trigger on the trike under my thumb And the trike just like slows to a stop and the light gets brighter and brighter and it seems like it's getting closer and closer. So Dino, who's beside the trike, barks and I remember looking down at him and he was looking up at the light. And so then I looked back up at the light and it was so bright it made me close my eyes. And you know um, when you close your eyes for a quick second, if you're driving and you happen to turn And all of a sudden, like a sun ray smashes like into your eyeball. That's what I did just for what I thought was a second. It felt like a second. So I closed my eyes for just a second because it was just so bright. And like literally my palms are sweating so hard right now. I'm just like so anxious telling this story because it just is weird. Anyways, when I opened my eyes, it was a regular blue sky and my head was still tilted up. And I looked down and Dino was laying completely flat to the ground beside me, shaking like I had never seen him shake before. And the trike was shut off. And I remember thinking that was so weird because that thing never stalled. Like if you ever had a trike like that or I like I never had a dirt bike. I always had a trike like a three wheeler. Um, And that thing never stalled. One time it stalled when I drove it through a giant puddle that I had totally misjudged the depth of, but I can remember like one time. So when I looked down the key, so it had a key and the key was still set to on. So I shut it off and then turned it on again and pushed the button uh, to try to start it again. And it started right away. So I pressed the trigger and I started moving forward. And after a few seconds, I realized that Dino wasn't beside me anymore. So I looked back behind me And he was still laying flat to the ground like he had like he was laying so that his entire body was pressed down as low as it could go and he wouldn't get up. And so I stopped. I shut the trike off. I got off the trike and I walked towards him and he was shaking and shaking. So I just sat on the ground and I talked to him for a while. And eventually he stood up with his little shaky legs and we walked back towards the direction of the house and in a few feet we got to the trike so I helped him up on the back of it and we went to the house. The second we were close enough he jumped off the back of the trike and he ran to his spot under the porch. So I parked and then I went inside the house and Nana gave me shit for being out for so long because normally I would always I would always check in with her and I guess I had been out for a while so I didn't realize, but she had already started supper, which seemed really weird because I knew that I left at lunchtime, which is why she had made me a sandwich on my way out. Dino did not come out from under the porch that entire night, 
even when we went to go check the cows. And if you've ever had a country dog, a farm dog, anything, if you have a dog, you'll know most of the time they want to go wherever you go. And so that was really weird. The next day, he stayed under the porch for the entire day. Nothing I could do would get him out of there. And he was, we all were worried about him. And Nana made me crawl under the porch to feed him. And I fucking hated it under there because he always had, there was always dead things. Like he would always like kill a fucking skunk. And then there'd be half a skunk carcass under the fucking porch and cow bones and everything bones. And I had to crawl under there and give him food because he wouldn't come out. So anyways, I never told Nana or or anybody, I don't think, about the light. I never told her what happened because I was worried that she was going to give me shit for scaring Dino or she would say that I was fibbing. And I was worried that if something did happen that I didn't know about, she wasn't going to let me go out by myself again. So I kept it to myself. And honestly, you can ask me about this story in another 20 years. And I fucking promise you the details of what I remember that day are burnt into my mind. I remember the heat of the trike like touching the sides of my little bare legs because I was in shorts. I remember like the part of the path that I was driving on. I remember what Dino's toenails looked like when they were squished into the ground when he was trying to get lower and lower and lower. I remember every detail from that day and you can ask me in another 20 years and I guarantee you it's burnt into my brain. I don't know what happened. I don't know what I saw. I don't know what it was. And that almost makes it more scary. You know what I mean? Isn't that like an old Irish proverb? Better, what is it? Better the devil you know than the devil you don't. Anyways, (laughs) I think that's enough for my anxiety for one day. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you for participating in my very first Mimosa Mystery Monday episode. Um, If you have any stories that you'd like to share for future episodes or if you have any comments or if you have any future episode ideas of mysteries or weird things that you kind of would like to hear me ramble about, um, you can find me at Prosecco and Ponies on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook or you can email me at ProseccoWithTony at gmail.com so it's P-R-O. S-E-C-C-O with Tony, T-O-N-I at gmail.com. That's it. Thank you for listening to my first Mimosa Mystery Monday. Stay weird, friends. (laughs) 